All right, so I've got Walter Wyatt Jr., a member of the Warrior Wyatts here with me. So we've just finished your story, uh, what I like to call the ordeal. So you survived, and you, know, you had your, your, your life vest, and then you know roll credits on the survival story. But that is not at all where this kind of ends, because there are some pretty crazy things that kind of come out of this story, some unintended, some obvious now that we know what's going on here. From that moment forward... I would imagine you had what we now call PTSD, but this is a traumatic experience, even for someone as seasoned and from, you know, from such strong stock as you're from, where this seems almost commonplace in your family. Surviving something like this does have an effect on the psyche. Uh, so what, what was it? I mean, and you were a commercial airline pilot. You did, you know, you had mentioned you were a scuba diver and a snorkeler. So what happened as far as those things go immediately following this event? Well, Let's see. I, I sought, sought help. I had a uh, very good psychologist help me out because it, it, I, I really didn't realize how it had affected me, but I sought professional help because I was haunted. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I was single at the time. The girlfriend that I wrote my house off to, she and I broke up. And I, I kind of floundered around. It took me a while to get back into flying. I was given a, a leave of absence from the airline that I worked for. And then, you know, I was dating and I dated a girl and fell in love, got married. And then I went through Hurricane Andrew. You remember Andrew? Yeah, 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 I do. I do. It was in like the early 90s, right? Yeah, I lost everything. Holy cow. Oh, yeah, because it hit Florida. So this is in Homestead, Florida. So you lost your house and everything? Everything. I, I Right after the hurricane, I had a gallon of water and a pistol, and I needed both of them. <laughs> oh, God. Holy cow. There were looters, looters everywhere, and it took a couple of days to get people in there to help out. Um, it's interesting. I didn't know my neighbors, and all of a sudden I knew my neighbors. Everybody gelled together and helped each other out and then moved to Key West with uh, my my new wife. Interesting, because that's even more susceptible. I mean, that's a small little island. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I moved to Key West. I, I don't know. You know, this is kind of, I don't know. I, I'm not a reader of the old classics, but I've kind of led a, a bit of a tragic lifestyle. Wife was a... Uh, she was more attuned to the gay lifestyle. I wasn't gay, and so we divorced. Uh, she moved back in with me. Now, now, when you say the gay life, so she, you mean she wanted you to be gay, or she was she was a lesbian? Yeah, she was a lesbian. Uh, I didn't, you know, I don't know. You know, if, you, if you're a type A personality, you're a pilot, you know, a sportsman, you, you just don't see the deep things that are happening in your life. And uh, she she stuck a pistol in her mouth and blew her brains out. That took another year out of my life. Uh, uh, now, now, uh, was that unrelated to you or was that related to the to the situation to you guys? Or was it? No, she, I was out on a three-day trip and I came back. I called her from Miami and she was uh, incoherent. So I said, what have you been doing? And so I got home. 
I had some business in town, so I went to town when I came back. She was dead in my house. So I met I met a, a guy. He was a cop, a Key West cop, very religious guy, and uh, you know he and I met right after the day after she the day she died. And uh, we became friends. Uh, and he's here at my house now visiting. He comes once a year. You mean currently, like right now? Right now. He's downstairs watching watching TV, probably the movie Cops or something. <laughs> right, yeah. But, yeah. but uh, yeah, and so then I went through a, another long period of time. Uh, I was more attuned to my emotions and my feelings at that time, obviously, because of what I'd gone through. So I sought help again. I got help from the same psychologist. Started dating again. Uh, I was sitting around in 2000. I'd just broken up with a girl. I was sitting around 2000. I said, you know, here I am making great money Saturday, Friday night in my house and I don't have anyone to date. So I went into a site called AOL.love and I wrote five letters to girls and three of them answered and I communicated with two of them and I'm married to one of them right now. We've been married 20, almost 20 years. Whoa, that's crazy. Holy cow. AOL love does it again. AOL.love <laughs> is free. Airline pilots don't like to spend money, so, you know, I said, well, you know, what have I got to lose? I'm sitting here at the house by myself, so I wrote five letters. Do you say it was a free site? Yeah, it was was online dating when it first began. You know, now it's like, you know, you got to spend X amount of dollars a day to to do that, I guess. But uh, back then, AOL doesn't even have a, a... dating site anymore i don't think no no they're i think it's yeah they're owned by verizon and yeah totally different landscape um but anyway uh she was ukraine a ukrainian girl it took a while to get a visa to bring her over so uh september 11th 2001 someone called me up and said turn on your tv and i turned on the tv and the second jet hit the tower and so I got 50 phone calls from people. Are you flying? No, obviously not. And uh, so, you know, that was another great effect because there's the two United jets mm-hmm, right. that hit the tower. I didn't know anybody on that. But, uh, you know, in the aviation business, you're going to know people that die. But, uh I moved out of Key West in 2004 after living there 12 years. I had property in Alabama, and that's where I moved to. I moved to Alabama, built a house, and that's where I'm at right now. Now, now, when were you? You were a bales bondsman during this time as well, right? And you got back into scuba diving. I mean, it sounds like this is, I mean, a lot of tragedy, hard experiences that hit. But you eventually went back to scuba diving, which is crazy, and you even got back into flying. How, how in the world could you do all this stuff while everything was going on? Well, the scuba diving routine was in the late 80s, right after the crash. I said, you know, I've got to be able to get back into the water. I'm, I'm, I'm a person that's lived around the water my whole life. So I retook a scuba course and got another scuba license. 
And so I did scuba diving after that. I snorkeled. I, I didn't do much scuba diving because of my ears uh, from flying. But snorkeling, I did a lot of snorkeling uh, throughout the, the 90s. Flying, I got back into as soon as I could. Started back into small aircraft and then went on back to the airline. Wow. So you, I mean, you went, you got right back in the saddle on this then. Well, that's what they say you have to do. And that's what I did. And it worked out. I don't know. Some people, I don't not have been able to do that, but I felt like it was something that I had to do. Yeah. Cause you continue to be a commercial airline pilot after that, right? After the ordeal. Right. That's, I mean, that's, that is impressive, especially with all that other stuff going on around you just in the background, you know, I mean, that's, I don't know. It, it seems like the, it's impressive to me. Now, so really quickly, when so you were a bail bondsman. You said one of your friends knew Dog the Bounty Hunter. Uh, when were you doing this, and what, how did you get into that? <laughs> okay, you ready for this? I think so. I don't know. The way you're saying that, I, I don't know. I think so. My second wife that I divorced kept getting thrown in jail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. So I kept bailing her out. And finally, I said to the bail bondsman, hey, why don't you sell me your business? Because I'm having to give you all this money to bail her ass out of jail. Yeah. And he says, yeah, (laughs) sure, that's a good idea. Well, some way that word got out into the bail bondsman world, which is a pretty tight-knit, close world. And I had a guy named Wayne Spath contact me and he is what you probably call a general agent what he was licensed to do was to open other bail bond businesses under his tutorage okay so he made me an offer i couldn't resist (laughs) yeah now this is all prior to my second wife killing herself she and i both became bail bondsmen Oh wow! You guys were you guys were just like a TV show. <laughs> wow, you were dog before dog. And she she was she was really damn good at it. I guess because she'd been in jail so many times. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, uh, when when she passed, I took time off from the airlines again, and I couldn't sleep. So I wrote bonds and I made more money writing bail bonds that first year than I did flying as a commercial pilot because I didn't sleep for about two hours a day. So I remember it was Christmas 1995. It's Christmas Eve. And I parked in front of the jail and there's all these people, oh, Billy and Joe and Gertie can't get out of jail for Christmas Day. So I started writing Bond right there. And I wrote all night long. I made enough to make Santa Claus happy. <laughs> Did you buy him out too? Did you take over his job yeah, in the North I Pole? I could have bought it. I could have bought Rudolph in the sled. But, it, <laughs> but that was that was one of the more memorable times. So I did that for about five years. And and then the airlines got me in a position where I couldn't do it. I I just didn't have enough 
time between the airlines and riding bail. So I had to make a decision. So, you know, I, I went with the airlines and, and quit riding bail. And so I only did it about five years. Just an, inc- an incredible, incredible life. I mean, ups and downs. And I mean, you've got tons of stories. I mean, just an incredible life. I want to close it on one thing, just to tie a little button on this whole story here, because this is everything kind of strangely comes full circle here. Um, in 2011, so this is 25 years after the after your crash, a Saudi prince named Khalid bin Sultan, uh, he has a, a, a group called the Living Oceans Foundation Science Without Borders. That is the entire name. That's TM'd. <laughs> That's a very long name, self-aggrandizing as well. Uh, they basically, if I understand the story correctly, and I'll put some links to the website, they were looking for reefs off the coast of Kaysal in the Bahamas. They were basically looking and studying why artificial reefs Things that were created by man-made objects like your plane, which they ended up finding, they wanted to study why certain seagrass didn't grow around. It's called a halo around it. In the process, they find your plane and have video of it. I'll put that on the website as well. Uh, How did – and I believe they got in touch with you. How did all of this kind of come about? Well, kind of like you calling. They – a lady called me and said – Hey, I work for the reef project or whatever it is. And, you know, she soft toned it. Um, you're Walter White. Yeah, it is. You're crashing Molly. Yeah. Um, we think we may have found your airplane. Can I send you pictures and you identify it? And I said, Well, yeah, I, I don't mind doing that. Where'd you find it? That's the most important thing. And she gave me the location, and I saw the airplane. I said, that's my airplane. You were Oh, you! I, th- I was actually laughing at that. I didn't think you could identify, you know, a plane 25 years, this, you know, underwater, but you could? Well, yes and no. I, I could not have identified it by the airplane itself okay. other than where it was located. And it was located... Exact about exactly. I mean, it, it, I mean, it could be that it isn't the airplane, but it certainly looks like the airplane. I did ask them to bring my suitcase back, and she said there wasn't a suitcase <laughs> left. So I said, okay. What was in the, what was in the suitcase? Was it uh, gold bars, or was it just um... uh, a bottle a bottle of Nassau? Nassau Royale. <laughs> Aged perfectly. Aged perfectly. <laughs> wow. I mean this is I mean this is this is a really crazy end to the story because your your plane has kind of become an artificial reef for lots of different animals at a time when reefs are going, you know, they're, they're, they're becoming extinct and, and definitely um, they're dying across the, across the world. This became, I mean, it's a very important life giving object at the bottom of the ocean now. I mean, it has a, it has a life beyond, you know, beyond the, your, your crazy story. I mean, that's, that's, how do you feel about that? Well, we know that it didn't have any gas to leak out of it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. <laughs> Very important point. So, I would have rather sold it. But on the other hand, yeah, it, it is beneficial. And that does teach us a lesson that artificial reefs do have some value 
uh, in that you're right. The uh, coral reef, uh, due to pollution, mm-hmm. is dying yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Global warming is they're they're so, all bleaching. I mean, in order to in order to keep marine life uh, alive and surviving, you know, a lot of this junk that we have that we burn could probably be, and I don't, I'm not a marine biologist, but could probably be utilized to create future reefs. So what you're saying is more people should crash planes into the ocean if we really want to save the coral reefs around the world. Exactly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I recommend that. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Just don't do it in the, in the rain. I mean, this is, this to me was just such an interesting end to the story. And, you know, that was 2011, you know, we're speaking in 2020. So next year is the 35th anniversary of this crash. Uh, and I mean, it, it's still, you know, it, it's, I, I actually found um, a documentary online on YouTube just from uh, exactly a year ago. It was like July 5th or 8th or something like that of last year where they did a whole story on this, um, basically taken from the Reader's Digest article. So it, it was amazing to me how many people were actually knew about this story, but it's also kind of surprising that not that many people do because it is, I would imagine, a fairly unique story. But, I mean, just what a what a crazy, you know, what a crazy beginning to end. You know, I mean, just, just what a story. That's all I can say, Walter, just what a story. Oh, thanks, Dan. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, out of all the stories that have been published, there's probably been only a handful of actual people call me and, and ask me about it before they publish the story. Uh, I have seen uh, religious pamphlets with story in it, and of course they they uh, add their own into it uh you know you know god he saw god and god said he was gonna live you know that sort of routine but wait uh, wait hold on hold on hold on so you're saying you've read randomly with with people not knowing that it was your story you've read religious pamphlets quoting your story incorrectly about how you found god and and using that as a way to kind of recruit people into the faith that's what i'm saying I've seen it. I mean, I've got some somewhere, you know. Now you got to realize I, I come from an, an old family, and I've got literally hundreds of pounds of letters and stuff like that dating back to 1840s. And so my stuff is minor compared to to the, all the stuff that I've got. But yeah, somewhere I've got a couple pamphlets that I got where some religious group printed out pamphlets talking about my story and how it made me come to God and Jesus Christ and stuff like this, which, you know, a lot of that is true. I mean, I found a different aspect of a higher power than I had before. I was notably a person of great debauchery. uh, (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 you know, it, it gave me certainly more sensitive aspect of life. But, uh, yeah, I've seen that. I was, you know, I said, you know what? I want to refresh my memory on this. So I, I Googled up the accident. There were articles printed from 1987 until last year 
with different organizations that I never knew existed. Huh. Where are they pulling the story? Because I read a lot just to catch up, just because I wanted to, to see, I wanted to get from the horse's mouth what really happened. Uh, so where are they getting? Because not all of it's the same information everywhere. I remember the Reader's Digest article, but I think the Star did a, did, a, did one. There was a, you know, Think Science and a bunch of them. They all had different aspects of the story. Where were they? Did they just make it up? Yeah. Uh, or they picked it up off a of Reader's Digest and made up what they wanted to. Uh, I, I've got it. There was some rag that um, one of these Richard Nixon did so and so magazines back then. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. And is I think it was an English magazine that I I've got a copy of that somewhere. I never spoke to them in my life. Basically, the only people I've really interviewed with was I think that talked to the Miami Herald. I talked to Peter Mitchellmore with Reader's Digest. Yeah. And then there is a huge gap in time. And a lot of the pamphlets and stuff came out then. And then the Reef Project popped up and they oh, did right. a big uh-huh. story. They did a big story. And then I think the Sun in London did a story. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That one I read. Did they talk to you? No. Okay. <laughs> and then you. And then me. I'm on the short list. Walter, I'm on the short list. I, I did a, a couple of TV things. I can't even remember anymore, but I did a couple of TV deals. and But that was back in 86, 87. I can't think of a better place to end this than with the knowledge that I am one of four people to have interviewed you on the ordeal. That's actually kind of shocking to me, but I I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and what an honor it is to have talked to you for so long. Thank you for taking all this time out and for sharing such intimate details of the story. So again, Walter, thank you so much for being on the show, and I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night.